Welcome, Fibers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, the movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. It's time, once again, to join your hosts Q and J in the writer's room for an other stuff, too, discussion you'll definitely agree with. High Five, the podcast, is not responsible for your agreement or disagreement with our discussions, but if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. And now, on with the show. What up, Jay? Uh, hey, Q. That How's was it going? Cool. That was like a machine gun that, drum intro. Thank you. That's what I was going for. That's exactly the mood I wanted to set. Have you ever episode. thought about being a professional beatboxer? Yes. Well, you shouldn't. No. Because that was terrible. That was actually the feedback I got from many in the industry. I was like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to be a professional f- a beatboxer. And everyone's like, no. I've heard the community's really accepting, but not for me. Oh but in their defense, what you heard is literally my only beatbox move. So they're like, break it down. I'm like, and they're like, all right, next verse. I'm like, <laughs> it just sort of sounds like a boat motor dying. Oh my God. Well, welcome to the brand new episode of Hidden Talents with Jay. High five the podcast starring Q, Jay, and Joey's weird beatboxing. <laughs> High five. Moody and stuff. stuff. I love your stuff. Weird stuff. Sensitive stuff. Taxi stuff. Evil stuff. Piggling little stuff. Heavy stuff. Big boy stuff. Super cool stuff you wouldn't understand. All right. Well, now that we've discovered one one hidden talent of you yours. Know, you know, Q, I think these other stuff two intros might be some of my favorites because... They're full, we, they're full of non sequiturs. They're full of nonsense. Oh, uh, they're full of nonsense. Is what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, gotcha. But yeah, no, that that's great. How have you been? I haven't talked to you in a little while. I am so good. I have been uh, just really watching stuff. I've been going to the movies. I've got my kids with me for the summer. So let me ask. I know we talked about this before, and we're still not sponsored by them, which is a huge mistake. But this right. AMC. A list thing that you oh have. Oh my god! Is it is it still is it living up to its? It's, it's amazing. Promises? But can I put out? I'm gonna listen. If anybody from AMC is listening to this, and they the are, one problem that I have is that they offer no sort of family pack option, and you have to be of age to get a legal ID, <laughs> which I think is like 15 or 16 in most states. Oh. To have an account. Oh, not even to like you. So you couldn't add a plus one for your in nope. either of your girls. Nope. So I'm having Ooh, to pay bummer. full price tickets for them every time we go. That's a bummer. And Haley and I have AMC movie passes. So we're paying, you know, our $20 a month. Sure. And I feel like AMC is really missing out right there. I would gladly pay like a $60 a month fee to be able to take the whole family. Right. To see up to even even if they wanted to do one movie a week yeah it would still be cost effective well, that's the thing even one movie a week is that's like 60 bucks an outing or more right exactly. there so exactly. if you're doing that every week that's four in a month you're getting so i am honestly surprised to hear you say that's not a part of the package or that's not an option because i kind of assumed that it would be right and i did too but when they when they got ready to come out here for the summer and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to give it us a movie pass, and we're going to go see every summer movie that comes out. Because there's literally a new movie out every week that we want to see. Sometimes two every week. And 
I looked into it, and sure enough, I read all the you know legal mumbo jumbo on the website, yeah. and you have to have an ID, and that's kind of the one thing that is different than, as you know, I had the movie pass for a while. Right. That I'm thinking is about one- getting that. How are they doing? <laughs> They're doing great. Great. Cool. I'm thinking of investing in stock. You should. I think you should. They're going to be the next Apple. <laughs> Great. Wait, are they going to charge me $1,000 for a movie ticket? And a, no, they're and just going to they're the going ticket? Nope, they're just going to kill off their most popular product. Perfect. Like Perfect. iTunes. Perfect. They're just going to break it into three. Yeah, did you hear about that, by the way? Apple yeah, is getting rid of iTunes. And they're breaking it into like a TV app, a movie app, yeah. and a podcast That's app. how. That's how MoviePass is going to do. Yeah. You can they're see g- cartoons... Actions or indies. And that's it. And that's it. And you have to be on one of the plans. So one plan will only give you access to only animated movies. Right. So the the first one's called like uh, Action Pack. (laughs) And the next one's called In Delicious. Yep. And then the other one is An amazing deal. And and yeah. And amazing. Why not? And it's kids. They're dumb. They they're not gonna pay (laughs) attention to the punniness of the titles. But uh, I with them, I never had to present an ID yeah. when I checked in. I just had to match it to my app. With AMC Stubbs A-List, you have to present your ID every oh. time you get your ticket. Interesting. So I can't even like say Haley has a pass, I have a pass, and say Haley can't go to the movies with me and I want a friend to go with me. Yeah. Say you were going to go with me instead. I would, I would love to go with you. Unless you look like Haley and have her ID, you wouldn't be able to use her pass. I definitely could have her ID. Right. You could. I think I could pull off the walk, but that's about it. That's it. Well, definitely. That's you, about it, though. The voice both, and the look. All I'm saying I'm is, off. you both got great milkshakes. That's 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 what I was saying. <laughs> that, is, that is, and I am agreeing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, and I understand it from a sure, business sure. perspective. They don't want people piggybacking on other people's accounts. But at the same time, I am paying twenty dollars a month. I would kind of like to be able to just use that ticket, however right. I see fit. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And I even agree with that. there was a scenario I told you the girls and I went and saw Godzilla. King yes, which Monsters. I want to hear about. And we can definitely talk about it. But when I went to take them, Haley didn't go with us. Had to pay still for both of their tickets and use mine, even though I had an unused movie pass sitting at home. And so, so I said "ugh" a couple times. For one, that's just infuriating. But two, I I know now because we also we took um. The little one to see a movie this past weekend. We went yeah. and saw uh, Secret Life of Pets too. Sure. Uh, even her ticket, she's four, mm-hmm. was like thirteen dollars and fifty cents. Yes. And this is like old man territory when I'm like, I'm gonna go into the movies for five dollars. Yeah, exactly. I do remember going to the movies for five dollars. Now, can I say this though? I will say AMC does make up for it a little bit. Welcome to the AMC podcast, where it's just <laughs> AMC all the time. Uh, and if they don't sponsor us after this episode, then what the actual fuck? Yes, seriously. Um, because we're like in depth breaking down their product and talking about the benefits. And I still am a member. So clearly it's worth even these small gripes that I have. And we haven't seen a penny from this. <laughs> Nothing. We Trust me, we are not paid advertisers. <laughs> we're not paid for any. We're actually losing money with every podcast that we put out. Well, because we're spending five minutes of airtime talking about things that people aren't paying us for. Exactly. Um, but we've got... Uh, oh, shit. I don't know where I was going. Oh, I said one thing to AMC's credit is every Tuesday, AMC does discount ticket Tuesday. You were telling me about that. I dig this. So now... 
our family just goes. So our kind of way to circumvent that is we go see a new movie every Tuesday. See, so the I kids like, have discounted ticket like prices, and Haley and I can use our AMC and it's stubs and it's the summertime. Like Tuesday movies are totally fine. Who cares? Exactly. And so so far we've seen Aladdin. Okay, we've seen which you and I talked about. Yep, we've seen uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I want to hear about. Tomorrow we're gonna go see Rocket Man. Okay. Um, then we've got we've got uh, uh, Dark Phoenix lined up. Oh, you haven't seen that yet? Not yet. Oh, I thought you had. I was gonna. I was nope. hoping to talk about it today. No, nope, haven't seen it yet. Then we're gonna do Men in Black International, and then we're gonna cap off the summer with Toy Story Four. Heck yeah, we're going to see Toy Story Four when it comes out. I too. am so excited. Have you to read the early movie? reviews? I have. People are like it's Get another your tissues. Is like oh. Somebody said they cried in this one more than they cried in Toy Story 3, which I that's a problem that. for me. Unless they actually kill the toys at the end of this one. <laughs> I don't the, believe that. The end of this is Sid coming back and actually setting Woody on fire to finish the job. And then just a slow zoom in on Woody's face as it melts off. That's Toy it. Story just, 4, The Vengeance. Yeah, and you just slowly watch Woody's eye like droop as the plastic melts. <laughs> you know what? I got a better one. I'm going to I'm going to reverse that. Toy Story 4, Sid Vicious. <laughs> Sid Vicious? Yeah. I think they might run into some 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 uh, some uh, there. S- Sid Vindic I don't know. Sid, Vin- Sid Vicious works the Sid Vin- syndicated. Syndication. <laughs> that doesn't work either. Uh, um, you know what? Screw it. Fuck Toy Story 4. So, you want to hear about Godzilla King of Monsters? I, I really do. Okay, because let me tell you. Uh, before you say anything, okay. here's the context I have going into this. Good. The other day at work, my boss came up to me and asked if I'd seen it. Yes. And I said no. And he went into about a 10-minute diatribe of how terrible Perfect. it was. That's exactly <laughs> what I did when we got home from the movie okay. with Haley. Haley was like, so how did you guys like it? And I was like, well. And then the girls and I sat down. Sit down. And we basically did a spoiled rotten for Haley live in the living room. And if anybody doesn't know what a That's spoiled amazing. rotten is, go check out our back catalog. Uh, it's, we do some great ones. We do some really good ones. But – so it was that it was that bad. He was justified in his feelings. Yes, it was. Um, the thing about it is that movie. The okay, the trailer, and that's all I have to go uh-huh. on. Was so exciting. It's, and it looked so intriguing. I will say this: the action is fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay. It's it is what I wanted to see in a Godzilla movie. It's sure. way more than the thirty minutes we got in Godzilla twenty fourteen. It's it is pretty much the whole movie. But the concept and the characters are so completely nonsensical really? that it's just hard mm. to even, like, accept that this is passing as a film, like an actual movie. Now, and it's <laughs> two hours and 12 minutes long. No. It, one Godzilla movie should never be an hour more and a half. 80 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 80, 80, 80 top, 90 tops, 80 that's best. That's it. That's, that's number one. Number two, I did hear something about this movie, and, and let me see if you can validate it for me. Does it do a uh, Batman v Superman intro where it starts during the cat, uh, catastrophic yes. events yes. of the previous movie? It sure movie? does. It does do that? Yep. Okay. That's the thing. People shouldn't be taking cues from Batman v Superman. Nope, they should not. They're not being like, hey, remember the structure that works so well for those guys? Let's do the same thing with our fledgling series that we're trying not to have people laugh yep. at. 
And the crazy part, I guess, on top of all of this is the cast is stacked. You've got Vera Farmiga. Right. You've got... Of Farmiga fan Of the Farmiga family. Yeah, of the Farmiga clan. We're going to talk about one of them today. You've got uh, Thomas Middleditch. Oh, he's in yeah. it? Yeah. I didn't know he was in Thomas it. Thomas Middleditch is in it. You've got... Millie Bobby Brown. You've got Millie Bobby Brown. You've got Cynthia Erivo is in it. Oh, really? Yep. You've got Ice Cube Jr. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For- is Coach, Coach from Friday Night Lights? Is yeah. That- what's his name? It's not Ron Livingston. It's the other yes, one. But, no, the coach from uh, Friday Night Lights is in it, and not the movie. Um, Ch- Kyle Chandler. That's his name. Kyle, that's it. That's uh, it. You've Kyle got, Chandler Bing. You've got Tywin Lannister is in this movie. Seriously? Yes. Uh, this is the stack. The cast is more stacked than I thought. That's thought. what I'm saying. You've got a bunch of, uh, and to be fair, Ice Cube Jr. is o- O'Shea Jackson Jr., I believe is. Right, but Ice Cube Jr. is so much more yeah, fun to say. Or Lil Cube, as I like to call him. You, Lil Cube, uh, Crushed Ice. Crushed Ice. Uh, so with a cast like that, logically, they should at least pull out some kind of performance. I, I would vote, yeah. Right? But no. they all have such crazy <laughs> I don't even know if it would be like stereo they do some weirdly stereotypical things, but stereotypical things to the point where it's like that is just nonsensical in your own best interest. Like, I don't even understand that <laughs> from a character's point of view. Like, I get it because that's your cliche that you're trying to like fulfill. Sure. But at the same time, it goes against your well-being in this movie for no reward. So, <laughs> so Kyle Chandler's just like really addicted to grocery stores, he, and every ten minutes he's like, "I'm going to the grocery yeah, store," he, even though Godzilla's like stepping he, on the grocery store. And you know, you you mentioned uh, Batman v Superman. I did. They do have another movie that blaring or another moment in the movie that blaringly screamed Batman v Superman at me. Is it the Mothra joke that we made last episode? Nope. This oh, one damn. is. You ready for this? Kyle Chandler. Mothra? Kyle Chandler uh-huh. plays a uh, the estranged father of Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. Vera Farmiga's okay. ex husband. Okay. He is brought in. To save them when something happens. That's all I'll... Oh, I, I don't want to, like, spoil it too bad. But he has <laughs> no business being on a rescue mission <laughs> with the military. He's like a baker. He's like a bakery owner. Right. Well, I mean, he... he uh, kind of, yes. He has no business. He has no experience in military-style extractions. So no point in being there whatsoever. You were a high school football coach. Come on. Come on, let's go. But here's the biggest problem. There is a moment where Godzilla, who is now friendly Godzilla, protecting humans. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. And him make eye contact with each other. And legit, there's like a, what up, bro, nod from both of them. <laughs> like, I think the- for no reason, <coughs> Godzilla recognizes Kyle Chandler, even though they've... A, never, never met. met each other, and B... And two, he's a giant. <laughs> right. And also, Kyle Chandler is, for whatever reason, not scared of this ginormous, crushing, murderous lizard. I would But be. they legitimately look at each other, and it's... Do they do, like, a like a nod? Like, like I get Yeah, you. like, I'm, hey, I'm on board. I've got hey. your back. You've got my back. <laughs> 
So, so what you're telling me is that in this movie, in a in a real, <laughs> honest to God Godzilla movie, yep. at one point Kyle Chandler looks up at Godzilla, makes eye contact. Godzilla looks back and goes, "Clear eyes, full hearts." Yep. And Chandler goes, "Can't lose." Yes, yes, awesome. it happens. <laughs> and then Godzilla raises his tiny arms and hits the sign on the way out the door. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's legitimately what happened, and it it my immediate <laughs> thought was. Your mom's name is Martha? My name is mom, or my mom's name is Martha. We should stop fighting each other and just join forces. You know Martha? Do you say Martha? Yeah. Who's Martha? Martha? Um, to be fair. That's hilarious. To be fair. You ready for this? No. That also kind of works. Vera, <laughs> he's, Kyle Chandler is trying to save Vera Farmiga. Right. Queen of Kyle Chandler. Godzilla is trying to save Mothra, queen of the monsters. Oh, Lord. And also, kind of Godzilla's wife in this movie, I guess. She's a big moth. He's a lizard. They're doing it. She's newly minted, but for some reason. I thought you were going to say, she's nude. He's nude. Things happen. You know, they're just banging around over But cities. I will say this. They make, by the end of this movie, Godzilla is so incredibly powerful. Okay? Oh, yeah. He can not only shoot plasma nuclear blast fire out of his mouth. I saw that in the, I saw that in the trailers. He also can become lava, question mark? Cool. And just ignite things by touching it. Well then, let's let's all put aside then, because the next movie <laughs> this is, is where super I, boring. This is where I was going. In the next movie, he fights a giant monkey. <laughs> right. Like this is going. That's it. That movie has to be ten minutes long. This <laughs> <laughs> is Kong, Godzilla, and then there's only Godzilla. Yeah, that's it. He just instantly burns King Kong. <laughs> It was so weird, and that's literally, I left the theater, and I was talking to the girls, and I was like, girls, the next movie is Godzilla vs. Kong. I already know this. I don't know how that even makes sense after this movie. I'm pretty sure and, it's gonna. It's a secret crossover with that Rampage movie that The Rock was in. And the guy- With the monkey that keeps getting bigger. The guy walking behind us that we don't know out of the theater goes- yeah, if that movie's not shorter than 10 minutes, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I love unrequested totally. moviegoer comments about movies. Like, I forget what movie it was. I really, Oh, I wish I could remember what movie it was, but it wasn't a great movie. I was in the theater, and at the end of the movie, it ended, and the credits rolled up, and someone in the back just goes, What? <laughs> And all the rest were just like started clapping. It was just oh, I love unrequested movie commentary. That's exactly strangers. That's exactly how I felt. But I got this, dude. I was like, yep, yeah. agreed. Yeah, agreed. If this movie isn't ten minutes long and then an hour of something else, right? Then I'm out. Like I'm one hundred. Well, the thing out. is. They're using the script from Godzilla 2014, so Kong comes in all Brian Cranston style ah, and then just dies. Got it. Immediately. Perfect. If that so happens, I'm going to be honest, back on board. <laughs> if Better they, movie. If they kill one of the people in the title in the first 10 minutes, <laughs> right. I'm in. 
Like um, I am there. They are pulling. I'm there. They are pulling a DB Weiss and David Benioff. They are really yeah. Game of Thrones in it up. <laughs> oh, that that would be hilarious. But yeah, it was it was a bad movie. Um, and it was really mm. long, and it felt every bit of its two hour and twelve minute runtime. There were points well, where I legitimately looked at my phone, even though you're not supposed to. I looked at my <laughs> phone and went, "Wow, this must be getting towards the end." I looked at my phone and I was like. Holy shit, there's an hour and 12 minutes left to this movie? <laughs> so like, who directed this? Terrence Malick? Yeah, what Jesus. is happening? And so, yeah, I will say that I was disappointed. Speaking of who directed this, Michael Doherty. Uh, Man, and we talked about it. Like, we were excited that he was at the yeah, helm. Nope. <laughs> yep nope mm. uh it doesn't give me a lot of uh it doesn't give me a lot of confidence for the adam guy who's doing uh, adam wingard adam wingard because his last one blair witch wasn't uh, didn't he great. also do death note oh he did yeah Ooh, and okay, so last two ready for this <clears throat> michael or michael doherty who directed this one is writing godzilla vs kong okay uh this isn't related but did you see skull island yeah I liked that movie. What'd you think? Okay. I I like a lot of it. I'll tell you, though, the Tom, the Tim, or Tom Hiddleston. Huddleston. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston. Thank you. Tom Huddleston. <laughs> Tim Huddleston. The Tim Huddleston Tim Huddleston. When Tom Hiddleston is running through the green smoke gas with, like, a a saber. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And just, like, chopping. That that scene pulled me almost completely Totally. When he that became a superhero, you mean? It was awful out of nowhere okay other than that i thought that movie was okay of the three so far it sounds like it might be the best and i think that one was done by jordan voigt roberts who did uh kings of summer yeah i think so i'll tell you one thing kong skull island looked real it sure did i'll give it that and it had 100 more john c Riley, which i'm always on board. which is always always a win um but yeah so that was my king of monsters review it's king of garbage don't go see that movie (laughs) Well, I'll say one thing that I saw this week, and then we can talk about our main event, which is Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I finally saw Us. Oh, God. I forgot that you hadn't seen Us. It took me a while, but we haven't discussed it. That was so long ago. Great. It was. What did you think? I loved it. Yes. I could not stop thinking about it. I think we've seen it. I think Haley and I have seen it three times at this point. I... I've seen it once all the way through and then went back the next day and watched the last hour again just because I love the third sure. act so much. It was great, man. Sure. Did- like, there's so much, like, so many different, like, just layers of context and story and meaning. Were and you able to go it- into it spoiler-free? Were you able to I dodge was. spoilers? Well, okay. I was. I, I didn't have anything spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. But I will say I sort of accidentally stumbled into the twist again, like I've done with some movies. Because okay. when the okay, uh, when the movie started, and by the way, if anyone who hasn't seen us at this point, sorry, spoiler alert ahead of time for the next like. Three but also, minutes. you've had like multiple months. Yeah, like, so go. It, get your, I'm not too worried. Get your about shit it. together and watch us. <laughs> so w- at the very beginning, when little um, little red or whatever yeah. goes down uh-huh. into the Merlin's forest. Yeah. And she and she turns around and she sees that girl not turned around at the window. Yes. At that point, I leaned over to Amanda and I said, the question we have to ask now is for the rest of the movie, which of those girls are we seeing? Sure. And I just kind of said that and I was like, oh, ha ha ha. It's going to be a funny 
that just funny thing to say. And then that kind of turned out to be some of the twist sure, at the end. Definitely. But but it didn't ruin any of the experience for me because the the twist and the the story is so much more nuanced and layered than that. Sure. And man, just just the concept of it alone I thought was incredible. Sure. Now I do have to ask a question because there's a bajillion theories floating around and I have now debated not with you, but I've debated with others this movie to extreme lengths. Yes. Um, do you believe uh-huh. that the Jason character, the son, uh-huh. is also one of the tethered by the end of the movie? No. Okay. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Right now, I don't. I believe that his character is – he understands the tethered. Mm-hmm. I think better than anybody except for red, uh, the main character, but I don't think he is one mainly because the burn mouth thing. Okay. Here's the problem though. The characters wit who you believe you understand, right now Mm -hmm. the family has been to the beach before. Yes. So what that is when I am suggesting Jason would have been swapped out. So wait, wait, when did the family go before? They previous, she put up a fight going this right, time. Right, they previously went on vacation. They didn't go to the beach, but they have previously gone oh. on vacation. And that is where Jason had left his lighter, remember? Because his lighter was still in that house. He had to go find it. That's how they... Oh! Right. They've been there before. That's oh, how he knew no. of the little hiding space in the under the little wall thing. Right, and right. And he had to put a little block under there. Because that is... I didn't even think about that. Because that is her house. From when she yes. was younger. Yes. So they've been there yeah, before. From the Hands Across America right. house, yeah. So the deal is the tethered were created by the government to control mm-hmm. the people up top, right? That's how I understand it, yes. So they're at, that's why we see them and they're all doing the things that the people are doing up top, right? Yes, that's as I understand it, yes. So Jason is the only person who seems to be able to control his tethered because he uh, causes his person to spread his arms and back up into the walk fire backwards. Right. Right. But here, let Which me ask this makes though. you wonder who is the tethered because none of the other ones seem to be able to have that ability. Right. Well here, let me ask this just to dive into that a little sure. bit. Cause that's very interesting. Um, so me and Amanda were talking about this, and she was saying, well, why do they do that? And I said, well, part of Red's speech was that they created them with the intention of controlling the ground, the upper, you know, upper dwellers with them. Sure. But then they abandoned them. So my theory was because they couldn't split the soul, the, the, one, the people on top actually were the ones that could control the tethered. That's why they were compelled to follow them. I would... And so that's why they abandoned him when the government realized they couldn't control the other way. I would agree with that, except that would undo Red's entire storyline because her actual person is Red, right? Is Right. She, yes, the, the real life. When, when her counterpart learned ballet up above, she was forced to dance and learn to dance down below. And that's what made all of the other tethered realize that she was different than them. And she explains that. She said, it was because of you making me dance 
that all of the others recognized that I was special. And that's why they follow me. Interesting. Which would then impart hmm. by by kind of the if you're following those same logic rules. Right. If her son Jason is able to control the other one, then he is actually a tethered. And the burned mouth one is is bad red or good red, quote unquote, right. real son. Interesting. I hadn't put that together, but now I need to go watch the movie again. And then it changes <laughs> the context of their look to each other at the end. At the end, yeah, because they're like, oh, we both did it. And he pulls it. the mask down on his face. And in my mind, kind of symbolizing that I am accepting that we will both live these masks forever. I, I know your I, secret. Now, you know my secret. Now I need to watch. Now I need to watch it again. But that's what makes this movie so damn good. It, it does. It, you, you do want to watch it multiple times immediately, just because immediately. Yes, immediately. I wanted to turn around and watch it again, which I thought was just. Great. And and the thing is, there's so many different ways that you can enjoy it. Like, you can enjoy it on the surface level of the government created clones. Totally. Abandoned the program, then the clones revolted. You can totally see it that way. 100%. You could see it as a commentary on, like, a marginalized society. Yep. But I also, I think my favorite interpretation of it was of a, an allegory for privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for cl- Just inherent, you growing up in the sun inherently gives you a better life and... If you switch people and give someone who was born in the underprivileged society the same experiences and assets and head start in a privileged society, they can turn out without any difference. Exactly. Like, I think that was one of my favorite interpretations when I was watching it is just seeing those levels. Now, I don't want to say that they're making, like, underprivileged societies animals because I, I, I think that was – more in the allegory sure. state. But that was my favorite interpretation of what was going no, on. No, I told it's just – and I wanted to watch it so many times just to see all the different layers in every scene. I agree. Now go so now with that no knowledge that I just dropped on you, go back and now, watch yeah. again. Now I need to they watch it also, again. Also, there's a Reddit theory running around that said that his the fact that he's wearing a Jaws shirt also signifies uh-huh. it because it's a monster leaking lurking underneath a real person. Maybe, maybe. That, I mean, that could not? also just be. Be people diving way too yeah. deep and overstudying things. Yeah. Um, but what, but that's the fun of this these types of movies. Like a movie like this needs to be thought of in this And you way, do realize to too, dissected. you made me laugh earlier when you said that you were like, oh, you know that she went in, when she went into Merlin's castle at the beginning when she was a little girl, it wasn't right. Merlin's castle when it she was, went in. It was, yeah, it was something else. It was Merlin's forest later. But it was, even that was a funny recognition yeah. of pc culture it was an indian walkabout that's that's right that's what it was and they didn't change anything it, about it except for the label except for the name which was very yeah. interesting because once again i feel like that's a commentary <laughs> on we're still gonna do the same like kind of underpinning Crap. yeah racist marginalizing <laughs> thing we'll just give it a new name yeah <laughs> one that's more so <laughs> we're gonna call it something more PC. more socially acceptable yeah so that in itself uh. was a funny joke to me um, but man, Jordan Peele knocked it out of the. That's two in a row from him. Oh, absolutely. Movie wise, absolutely. I have hands down, no doubt that Jordan Peele. Um, once again, and I did see a thing that said like, because um, so many people were like, Jordan Peele is the next Alfred Hitchcock, and I saw this awesome just like headline, and it said Jordan Peele 
Please stop saying Jordan Peele is the next Alfred Hitchcock. Jordan Peele is the first Jordan Peele. I love that. He's the first Jordan Peele. I like that. And I love that, too, because we don't have to compare him to anybody else because he's honestly unlike anybody else. These are wholly original stories told in a wholly wholly original way from honestly a wholly original point of view. You know what I mean? And now what I'll let me say this because I'll kind of lightly segue into something else. But the thing that I love about Jordan Peele, though, is because he has so much context, because he is such a student of the genre and of things that he likes, he's able to write in and instill these background blurry men of his <laughs> Spoiler of his alert. inspirations. Yeah, of his inspirations throughout what he does, because you can see some Alfred Hitchcock in there. You can see sure. some John Carpenter in there. You can see. You know, some psycho and and some and, and some Rod Serling. There are like, you can see in, those in there. Their fingerprints are on it. Yeah, which is it's fun to see those fingerprints from a from a new source in a new way. Agreed. In a fresh through fresh eyes. Yeah. Yes. No, I totally agree. So yeah, so let's segue right into it. Off of the Jordan Peele love, directly into the Jordan Peele hosted. Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone reboot. So let's spend some time in the zone before we wrap up this I, other stuff too, Q, because I finally finished the first God, season. Thank God. I finished it the day it came out. So I've I been watching each episode the day it airs, sometimes multiple times, because I just really want to take it all in. Um as you know, diehard lifelong Twilight Zone fan, like to the nth degree, I have Totally stayed steadfast against the detractors who have kind of bashed this season a bit. It's had really mixed criticisms. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people think it's fine and it could do better. Right. Um, I am strongly on the camp of I think it's fantastic with a few exceptions. There are some episodes that I think could be tweaked to be a little bit better. But on the whole, I'll play my cards right up front. I think it is absolutely fantastic, and I think it totally refreshes and breathes new life into the Twilight Zone property. I, I'm i glad that you played your cards up front. My first question was going to be, on the whole, what did you think of season one? So uh, since you played yours, let me play mine. I, I'm with you. Now, I think I think it was great. Um, to your point, there are some episodes in here that I think were stronger than others. There are some that will, in my opinion, be top echelon. Like sure. I will remember these twilight zone episodes and talk about them in a couple years, but more than anything, what I think he accomplished was one, a, uh, an anthology season that was very thrilling and entertaining throughout most of the time I lose patience. Sure. Most of the way through these seasons and two, he gave me something that I was missing in pop culture at a level that I was missing it. So there's, and I mean, you and I've talked about it. There's nothing quite like twilight zone and just the level of social commentary mixed with sci-fi mixed with kind of the allegory, but with top tier writing and top tier acting, I, there was just nothing really like that except the closest thing we got was black mirror, which I think is why you and I geeked out about it as much as we did. Uh, totally. Um, but as a whole, I thought this season was was so good, and it ended so strong for me that okay. So like, let's t- even even if like five episodes in a row had been bad, I think if it had ne- ended the way that it did, I still would have really. Let's enjoyed touch it. through something now. 
let's we'll get to the end episode in a minute, but I do have to sure, ask sure. you a question right up top about the end episode. Let's do it. Does the end episode technically make my theory from the beginning of the series correct? Uh, 100% I think it does. Okay. I think as I was watching it I was like, like wait a minute, ago. did I call this? Like now it's not, not like, in the way it, that I It's not it's it it's not a bullseye. Right. But I'm but close. Man, <laughs> you're, you like hit that metal bar right around the and bullseye and dented and it. And let's give credit where credit's due. I named that shit off the first trailer. Yeah. No, this is like eight months ago you called this. Right, before, this was a, uh, that, I think that's why I got goosebumps watching that last episode, <laughs> the last like five or six minutes. Well, no, no not even that. The first five right? or six minutes. You're like, when, whole... when it kind of, when, yeah. Okay. As soon as Jordan Peele goes, cut. And they, I realized what the show was going to do. I was like, oh, Q called this months ago. So let's talk. Ab- I was so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about, um, I think the last time you and I talked Twilight Zone, you we left off on replay. Yeah. So we've got the Traveler through the end. Okay. To, and we to don't discuss. have to go through all of them. We just kind of give our impressions. If, yeah. if I can say um, I thought a Traveler was probably a weaker one for me. Well, the thing about the Traveler that I'll say is it felt too close. And, and I know we've referenced this with other episodes like, oh, well, it's kind of like this. Sure. Or, you know, the airplane when it's kind of like, you know, terror or whatever, a thousand feet. A Traveler to me felt very, very similar to the aliens are coming yep. to Maple Street. Because the whole premise was an alien messing with humans by doing things in a secluded space. Sure. The only difference really here was the setting and that the aliens had a purpose is that they were trying to get rid of our defense. So that they they could invade, basically. Yeah. But really, that's what the premise was very similar to the Maple Street episode. Right. And I thought it was so close. I was like, I like this. I like I thought Stephen Young did really good. Sure. Um, I I liked the, the episode. But to your point, I thought it was one of the weaker ones, because when they stray that close to some of the best episodes of the past, it's hard to live up. Exactly. What's the next one after that? The next one is Wonderkind. Okay, I really enjoyed Wonderkind. I I liked Wonderkind mainly. I thought the end was perfect Twilight Zone. Oh, when he's getting operated on by the kid yep. that was mentioned earlier in the episode, like as I was like, oh, all doctors should be kids. Should or be right. We're gonna get rid of all old doctors. Um. So here's the deal. Obviously, I mean, not even a a like veiled uh interpretation obviously a direct pot shot at our current sitting president until an episode a couple more down the list that we're going to talk about i would have said that this one was the most on the nose episode of the whole season i mean it's not quite but it is close they have made the comparisons prior to this episode coming out they've called trump a child a baby you know, he kind of acts on impulse, much like a child does. And there is a balloon in London of him in a diaper. Exactly. So it's exactly the kind of the same thing. And they kind of show what happens when you put what seems like a great idea, which is this child who has just open heart and love for everything and wants equality. If you give them supreme power, they become a petulant brat basically well not not even that like well yes that but even further than that is the idea of oh the layer of 
yes, he's a child. Yes, he's good-hearted. And yes, he wants things to, on the surface, be nice for everybody. But that's not government. And that like, doesn't and you can, work people like can, that. Yes, people can grasp onto a happy message that makes them feel good. But the reality is that that doesn't work. And it's dangerous because it has the, they have the mind of an infant like, when they're doing Like it. when he got into office and he said, okay, f- now free, ga- free video <laughs> games for everybody. And they're like, yeah. uh, we can't well, we do can't that. Actually, do he's that. Like, do it. And he's like, do it. Tell them you will do it, or we're going to tax them. Yeah. And it, it's like it was. They may as well have just given that kid a comb over. Right. I mean, that's basically what it was like. No, they're gonna do it. Otherwise, we'll make them pay. And then when he yeah. had, I mean, they even did the you know Trump not wanting to go see the see a doctor yeah. for an exam. <laughs> yeah. Neither does he. You know, and then he's like, yeah. fine, well, then we're going to get rid of all the old doctors because I don't want creepy old <laughs> doctors anymore. Right. I mean, it was just so many. But how about that scene where he's playing putt-putt? Oh, that was like a that was like a, a there will be blood. Holy. I'm going to drink your milkshake <laughs> I am gonna, That's exactly scene. what I thought. I was like, I'm going to drink your milkshake. Um, and the thing is, he's a kid. He loves milkshakes. Right. And there was that. But they had that cool lighting change. Yeah. Which at first on the surface, if you didn't understand the context, would be like, well, that's weird. Like they're just doing like a weird dramatic lighting change. But it's they worked it into the story Mm -hmm. to where like he has this lighting system installed because he's a kid and he like, yeah, he just likes weird shit. But then it it gives you this really ominous like green lighting over everything. Yep. When he basically calls out John Cho for for. Plot, planning yeah. treason, basically. It's like, I'm really upset about this whole treason thing. Right. He, like, drops it so casually, like, while he's putting. It's like, ooh, you're vicious. Right, and it was scary. It was, like, legitimately yeah. scary. And then you see all of, like, the twisted perspective on people who were, like, damning John Cho. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And it was scary because... It was. It induced. Well, fear. it was scary in the way that the best Twilight Zone episodes, and I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying this is like one of the best no. Twilight Zone episodes, no. but it had the structure of the best Twilight Zone episodes. It was scary in the daylight. It was scary with people that you understood the whole time. Right. And then the twist at the end was a dramatic, horrific irony based off very well laid out character lines exactly like character arcs which those are the best twilight zone in my opinion those are the best twilight zone episodes and like in my opinion that i was getting scared and to kind of go into the next episode a little bit i was getting scared with six episodes in that we were dropping aliens too many times I agree. like because that's just a little too easy to be the twist is aliens and we now, did that like two or three times early on, so I was getting nervous, but then that, that, it corrected itself later. To be fair, though, Twilight Zone did lean heavily into Aliens it, originally. It did. It did. Um, it did. And and that's that's totally, you know, I'm gonna, but I started to notice I want to lay something else out for you that will, I think, make the last episode even more enjoyable if you haven't already thought of all this. Um, okay, please do. I believe... That the structuring of these episodes to represent original Twilight Zone episodes with an updated format is the point of the last episode. So 
All of yeah. these were intentionally designed. They used episodes that mirrored original Twilight Zone episodes, but with an alternate spin. And if you look at it, each one does it. So yeah. even Wonderkind is an updated version of the episode with the child who can wish people to places. Oh, yeah. Um, well, wasn't there an old one where a kid like runs for mayor or something or a kid has superpowers and controls the whole town well that's it so that's like that's that? it okay. he can basically he can he can make anything he wants to happen happen and so oh, his right. parents are kind of captives in the house right. with him and anybody yep. who opposes him he sends them to a cornfield like in the middle <laughs> right. of nowhere i forgot about um, that yeah but again the kid's last name in this is that kid's last name from that episode. Oh, seriously? Yeah. See, and I, I mean, we talked about that with some of the earlier episodes. And honestly, we'll talk about Blurry Man. But I really thought that they had gone back and hidden yep. blurry figures in the but, back of every episode. And so w then it puts into new context when you see the nightmare at 30,000 feet and you get the gremlin doll floating in the water. Yep. Which that doll popped up in like three other episodes. It's because they are showing that there are fingerprints of the original series yep. throughout this whole new series. And it actually <laughs> changes the way that you perceive all of the episodes once you get to the final episode. Yeah. So all of these episodes are callbacks to other episodes. All of yeah. them. And they lay that out in the last episode. Yes. And so what do we got again? Next we got six. Is that the six degrees? Six degrees freedom, of freedom. Yeah. Which is a pretty good episode. But like you said, ends with aliens again. Here's here's what I thought was going to happen at the end of that episode. What I thought was going to happen is they were going to. I thought it all revolved around them not opening the porthole. Yep. And I thought that they were going to land on Earth or land, open the porthole, see the the blasted terrain and be like we made it to mars and then they were going to zoom out and it was going to be like earth destroyed earth from a nuclear sure like because they'd been gone for four years after a nuclear holocaust sure. basically sure. that's what i thought was going to happen and then it turned out to be aliens that were testing us to see if we can make it to another planet or whatever right now i will say the guy who goes crazy in that episode awesome actor. oh he was great agree the rest i thought was Fine. It, honestly, this one was one of the weaker episodes yep, for me I of, this, of this season. Totally agreed. Uh, so then that one was followed by... Not All Men. Okay, so that's the male toxicity episode. It is, with Ike Barinholtz, who I really liked in this episode. Honestly, I really enjoyed this episode. I did, I too. Thought it was this was really another good. one that was, it was very on the nose. It was, but, but the end reveal of the fact that it wasn't actually causing yeah. anything that i was hoping i had my fingers crossed the whole episode that that was the twist it was that there was no twist i thought it was going to be like a news alert came on that said hey by the way some bricks fell out of a spaceship and or something like that's why the red that's why they were red i thought it was just going to be like something completely non-related yeah but instead it was just it it affected you if you chose to let it yeah. affect you, basically. Which I thought was cool. Like, okay, my my only issue with Not All Men episode is I thought they rushed that twist at the end. I will agree with that. I, I don't think there's a good way, and a lot of the episodes will do this, where, like, one image or one line or, you know, like, the child doctor walking into the room. Like, there's just one quick 
pop, and it puts everything into perspective. There's not a good no. way to do that with this story, but there needs to be. I, like, that's the only issue I had with it is that I didn't feel like it punched as hard as it wanted to or should I have. do like that they set it up, though, with the framing device of the gay nephew. Yes. And they kind of <clears throat> used him as the way in to offer a different perspective mm-hmm. from the male perspective. But I also liked their use of him to show that it's not just male-female relationships right. that suffer from this sort of thing. It's, it's his boyfriend also, also did it. Yes, correct. And it's it's a problem with just the idea of toxic masculinity and ownership over a partner. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a stronger episode for sure. I I agree. Uh, it was in the top. It was in the top for me. And then, um, then what do we got? The next one is Point of Origin. I Jennifer Goodwin did not care for that episode. This is my weakest of the yep. season. And here's my reason why. It was too on the nose. Yeah. It. Like hey, you're illegal. Every, <laughs> every instance of subtlety went so far out the window with this episode. It's like, hey, you know the immigration crisis? What if it happened to a white lady? Right. That's okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Like, yeah, show me that. Make me understand those horrors and put it in a different context. But don't just be like, oh, it's the same because it's dimensions. I don't know. Right. It was like, oh, I know what they wanted. Yeah. I know what they were trying for. They just, whoever was writing some of the subtlety of the other episodes was on vacation that week. And I I 100% agree, weakest of the season for me. Yeah. And then. Um, Oh, our our good friend Chris O'Dowd. Oh, yeah. In the blue scorpion. I will say I also didn't really care for this one. Um, It was okay. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't quite sure that I even got what it was about. Like I, here's, yeah, this almost has the opposite effect of the other one. If there was social commentary in this one, missed it. Right. I don't know what the social commentary was. Maybe it was that if you own a gun, every bullet has somebody's name on it. Cause that's its purpose. Right? Maybe, maybe, but it, it doesn't really fit. Now what I will say is I thought Chris O'Dowd did great. Yes, I agree with that. And two, I think this would have worked better as a standalone film. Oh, I like an, definitely agree with yeah, that. Like an indie movie. Don't don't give me a connection to a greater universe. Don't try nope. to make me think that it has social commentary. Make it about a cursed gun that's getting passed down through this family yep. and how it affects people. Yep. I agree. That's all that I mean. That's enough. That's creepy. I agree. With Honestly, that. I thought the scene when he was on the phone first trying to sell it and the gun went off by itself. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good." And then it never really reached that level. Again no, it never me. really, and it never even really called back to that happening again. Really, yeah. I mean, that was just kind of it. I kind of was hoping the gun would sort of start doing that more. Often. Right. I was kind of hoping Something. it was going to go like full little shop of horrors and it would just start offing yeah. people around him. Yeah. Like almost showing that like that could be your social commentary is that, you know, it's the people who say guns don't kill people. People kill people. But in right. this, it's like, no, guns do kill people. No, guns are killing people. Well, and see, that could be an interesting thing that you could explore in a movie that wasn't just like 41 minutes long, is everyone who tries to stop him or everyone who tries to get the gun away from him somehow accidentally gets killed by right. him. Right. That's an interesting like concept. That, 
And like he's trapped. It's almost like a, a monkey paw type thing, except there are no wishes. It's just an evil guy. Right. Or it's like uh, I've seen it done with ventriloquist dummies a lot. That's like a yeah, common trope yeah. is where like the 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 performer has no control over the dummy, but the dummy is actually the one kind of calling the shots. Yeah. Um, it's very much that. I mean, and, and in this case, instead of a wooden dummy that's, you know, out killing people or basically it's a gun yeah or basically yeah. isolating this performer from everyone it's a gun it's an actual lethal yeah. weapon it's a gun that uh, a cartel leader should own right so it's cool that was the other thing i was like man this is an elaborate looking gun totally um so yeah not one of my favorites and i agree with you interesting concept i just feel like it mm-hmm. was kind of half-baked like well, and with with Twilight Zone episodes, I expect some social commentary, and, and maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that's a, a misnomer. Right. But when it when it deals with something like revolving around guns, which there is a big social commentary on right now, right. I I'm sort of looking for that. And if I get to the end of the episode, I'm like, oh, it's just about a, an evil gun. Okay, sure. Like it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Chris Dowd did good. That actually is a perfect segue into the last episode because Jordan Peele actually directly addresses that. At one point, he says, "Why does it have to be common or responsibility versus entertainment? Why can't it be both, or why can't it just be one or the other?" Right. And that's the whole question of it. Like, why does it? Why do you have to have a really heavy message with each episode? Don't you just enjoy campfire tales? Right. He says that line. So we get to the last episode, Blurry Man, and you get set up with this kick-ass fake-out of an intro which with Seth Rogen. Totally got me. Totally. I Well, and the thing was, I was upset. Is when Seth Rogen was doing his thing and then he opened the window and it was like a nuclear holocaust. I was like, oh, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. That was literally what I thought was like, oh, how trite. Can you get? And then it started doing the intro. And then when Jordan goes, cut, and then it pulled back, I was like, oh, you got me, and I now love this. Did your head almost explode a little bit? Like, almost not even register when he's like, all right, cut. And you're like, wait, what? Like, Yeah, it it caught me off guard. And then, and this is because of you. I blame you this. I blame this on you 100%. My head continued to explode because it was at that point that I realized that your theory was probably right. (laughs) And so not only was I trying to decode the episode, I was trying to decode the season, and I was trying to decode your hypothesis at the same time. So my head was literally exploding trying to, like, see all the different layers plus your shit on top of it. So in a very basic – you're welcome, by the way. In a very basic breakdown of the episode, it's about the episode writer played by Zazie Beetz who writes for Mm -hmm. The Twilight Zone. And she and who grew up loving loving it. the Twilight Zone, and she basically has an existential crisis while trying to reconcile her love for the original series and still put forward the message that she that she has put on the show itself, right? And decided that it needs to have. Mm-hmm. And it's well, and talking about the the taking a concept that would have worked in the old show and then updating it. I love how directly what she's doing Time enough at is last. exactly yeah, is exactly the episode that that Seth Rogen was doing, a writer that's controlling the environment and then being responsible for the outcomes of that. But, like 
Because she was writing those scenes, and then they were happening. You're right. And then it also references Time Enough at Last several times. Mm -hmm. The the wonderful episode about a gentleman who survives an apocalypse and— We talked about this episode on our uh, top five Twilight Zone All he wants to do is read, and he finally gets all the time in the world and then breaks his glasses. (laughs) In In a classic Twilight Zone ironic twist. Now, let me ask you, as the Twilight Zone expert, the library that it kind of centered in this episode, was that a recreation of the library that he goes it to at the end of that episode? Be, yes. Okay. It was supposed okay. to be. Now, can, Like even with the steps and everything? Yes. Can I say something that bummed me out a little bit, but then also kind of got me excited? As soon as the blurry man appeared, I was like, that's going to be Rod Serling. Please, God, oh, let really? that be you Rod Serling. It? I was like, please. I, that... I was like, please. Didn't ca- get, it all didn't clicked it. in my head. I was immediately like, oh, my God, it's Rod Serling. It's his fingerprints on every episode. That's the point. It's his ghost. She is keeping his ghost in the show. She's basically make m- trying yeah. to adhere to what came before her, thereby she is causing Rod Serling to be in every single episode. I was like, ah, 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 it's going to be and, Rod Serling. And then at the end, <laughs> when they had the reveal, I almost like just straight up jizzed in my pants because I was just like, okay. it is Rod Serling. <laughs> I had a completely different experience because I did not get it until he walked into the light. And then all of that clicked at the same time. So I had to process it in the same millisecond. And I just got goosebumps all over my body. It's like, she's writing and keeping the spirit of Rob Serling, or Rod Serling alive yes. in the background, in the context, and in the fiber of these episodes. But because of her love for the show, she's also haunted by his memory because she doesn't feel like she's living up and to it. And she can't move so past he is it. Actually, she is actually a threat and she feels like she's not doing a good enough job. But at the, at the end, he asks her to walk with him to take it further and to do it more and to keep it going. And Because oh, I got goosebumps he's again. A, he's telling her this is where we get to the Twilight Zone. This is yeah. because that was kind of the looming question through the whole thing is when do we get to the Twilight Zone? And Jordan Peele was even like, ooh, that's deep. When Because she, she says it to him. At the beginning, she's like, as a kid, I always wondered, when do we get to the Twilight Zone? Where is, like, that's what I'm waiting for from a kid's perspective is like, okay, so when do we get there? Like, where is... And the answer is these stories that we tell each other. Right. It's it's Are You Afraid of the Dark all over again. It is, and it was such a beautiful... It was such a beautiful way, but I will say that realizing that earlier on did frustrate re- me for the rest of the episode because then I'm just waiting for Rod Serling. That's all I want. I'm like, I don't care what else is happening. Show me Rod Serling. And I will say my biggest complaint okay, I'm, I'm, about I'm, this episode is that yes. was a horribly shitty CGI Rod Serling. <sighs> Thank that you really, for you saying it so I didn't have that to. That really bothered me. And I was like, okay, God, good. if you're going to bring a a god like rod serling back to life please at yeah. least like mocap his face onto somebody else's actual body but he was like a 100 yeah. cgi so even his hands moved weird and his face he looked may, weird he may as well have been made out of young indiana jones stained glass yes it was weird like, okay, I'm so glad you said that because that was my biggest problem with the episode yeah. is, like, he does not look great. And I was like, God, with the technology that they have now, could they not have, like, cut him from another episode, like, an actual Twilight Zone episode and then just, like, okay, 
Did you know they, that like Moff Tarkinum, he d- even, like even better make him look at this technology. This good. technology exists, and they've already done it with Rod Serling. You've ridden the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disneyland, correct? And they do it there. Okay, yeah. the whole intro video. I did that like a month yeah, ago. Yeah, the whole intro video that you're played in the queue line is actual video footage of Rod Serling. They have. They have rotoscoped him out of an original episode. They have put him against a new background, and then they had a voice actor dub over what he's saying, and they digitally altered his lips. Well, that's the thing. Done. is like with all those um, – oh, I forget what they call them, but when uh, they uh, they mouth over what people are saying, like they take out the audio and they put silly oh, words the du- on top of the it. the dubs or the oh, – Yeah, the dubs. Yeah. Like even that, uh, honestly, if you got dialogue, bad lip reading. That's it. Bad, thank you. If they had gotten just uh, clips of Rod Serling saying things that were somewhat similar to what he was yeah. saying, I would have gone along with it. it. It looked better in black and white at the very end, but still didn't look great. No, it didn't look great. And I will say, but the concept I love. That was the one part where I was like, God, if you guys would have just given it a little more effort on this, it would have made it an all-time classic yeah. episode for me. But I really did not like seeing Rod Serling like that. It was very off-putting. You know what I mean? It, it was. It was just it like, was. ooh, he looks real CG. <laughs> like, he looks like now, a cartoon. Now, one thing I did wish had happened in this episode more than it did. And maybe it did. And I just didn't catch it, catch it, but I don't think it did is I kind of wish they had layered in a little bit more of the other episodes um, just because they had made that connection in air. I'll say what I'll, I'll say what I really wish had happened. Remember when she was running through all the sound stages, Yeah, but they were all like sound stages from the episode they were filming with Seth Rogen. It was like the grocery store no, and the, no, those are all from all the episodes throughout the season. The grocery store they were, uh, is from well, the, is from the illegal white woman episode where uh, she goes grocery shopping. Okay, good. The bar is from the comedy episode at the beginning that, okay. You know what? I take it back. They did exactly what <laughs> yeah. I was hoping they would do. I was like, what are you talking about? They used nope. all the sets. They did exactly what I was hoping. I just didn't, I didn't recognize them as much as I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, nope. They, and that's on me. They, that's on me being They dumb. were all the sets from the previous episode. That's cool. I like yep. that. And Now, I do wish they had, like, the actual blurry men that they were hiding in all the scenes in the editing room. Yeah. I haven't gone back and watched the episodes, but I hope that they're there. They are. In the actual episode. Yes! Yes! They have, they hid blurry, and one step further, they're not always blurry. They're just always not the prime focus. And every single one of them is wearing his black suit and has nice. the black short haircut. And in it's like the broke neck lady all over in again. the replay episode, it uh-huh. shows him in the distance and he lifts up his hand and he has a lit cigarette. That's burning. oh, nice. So those are Good actually in the episodes throughout, but you just don't pay attention that's, to them because they're background that's characters awesome. in a suit. I love it. But I was I like, fucking they've set this up from the beginning. So you know when they pitch this series, they're like, all right, this is how we're ending the season, and we're just going to work backwards from there. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant, they probably had the They probably had the first two episodes, a plan for all the rest, and then that last yep. episode. It's brilliant. I love it. So, and honestly, of all the reboots that have happened with Twilight Zone, and this is where I really am going to like kind of make the point on the whole season, is outside of the original run that was just a classic and just uh, the tent pole that it needs to be 
as reboots go, this is the best version they've done since the original. For sure, without a shadow of doubt. And it also makes me wonder, was this the serial, the ceremonial uh, uh, cocooning stage? So was this mm-hmm. final episode, was this them going, okay, we're going to go into this cocoon now. And when we emerge for season two, which it got picked up for, we're going to be mm-hmm. something wholly different. Yeah, it's like it's it's not going to be remakes of old episodes. It's going to be new, and it, culturally significant episodes. And it may not even follow the same structure or format that yeah. you're used to. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm wondering Maybe. is because I feel like they kind of addressed it like we don't have to hold to this stuff anymore. You guys are holding on too hard to the wrong yeah. things. You need to yep. understand that this is the Twilight Zone is the type of story that we're telling. It's not how it's told. It's yeah. not what's being told. It is it is the concept of what it is. So mm-hmm. do you The Twilight Zone is a story with multiple layers that bring enlightenment to situations. So here it is, another prediction. Let's do My it. My prediction is that the second season of The Twilight Zone will follow a wholly different story structure and will totally abandon the narrator intros. Oh, that's lo- we're locking it in. Peel or something next year, or something of that nature. There will be sure, some sure. sort of drastic change to how the show is presented yeah. moving forward. Let, I mean, let's go two for two. Q. Let's try like, it out. Let's see. I, I love it. I, but I feel I like if I get this goes. one, Jordan Peele needs to hire me to work on this fucking series because clearly well, you, him and I are on to. the same page. Yeah. If if you get this right, and this is your second prediction for Twilight Zone, you have to be added as a staff writer for season <laughs> That's two. That's the stipulation that it's no one asked us this for. Point. No, it's, but it's, it's in stone. It's written. We're good. Right. We're doing it. So speaking of being in stone and written, I think it's time we put a tombstone in this conversation. Boom. Until season two of Twilight Zone, we we are now <laughs> stepping completely out of the zone. Oh, I thought you were saying uh, until season two of Twilight Zone, this is the last other stuff, too. So <laughs> no, we'll no, see no, you no, next no, no, no. year, guys. No, no, no. But we're stepping out of the zone and we'll talk about it again as more news comes out. For and on top two. of that, we will step out of this episode until two weeks from now when we do another one. Um, yeah, so all the movie news that happens in the meantime, just you know, keep your mouth shut about yeah, it. Yeah, don't tell us. Don't spoil. No spoilers. Don't let. Don't let us know. We don't want to know. Jay, go. We'll figure it out. On go our watch own. us five more times and report back. Okay, to I I probably will. Honestly, I, I'm already itching to watch it again. <laughs> Good. All right, that's it. <clears throat> all right, follow us on social media and share this episode and all that other jazz that people say at the end of podcasts. Everybody. And uh, uh, P.S. If you're in the Omaha area at the end of June, 28th, 29th, 30th. Come visit us at the Council Bluffs uh, Convention Center. We will be there for Ocon Expo 5. We got a booth and a table. Come visit us. Come get some stickers and stuff. And stuff. It's time to close the door to the writer's room once again as this week's award-winning High Five, the podcast episode, comes to an end. Feel free to reach out to the guys with your suggestions for episode topics by emailing them at my5 at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. <sighs> you got that? 
or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on Twitter at high the number five the podcast Instagram at high five the podcast or on Letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating if you like what you hear. Even if you don't like what you hear, give us a high rating anyway. What's it costing you? Nothing. That's what we thought. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.